welcome back to the Bold Choice Podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Rell. It is a snowy day here in Vancouver, BC, on the traditional territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Soweitoots. And I thank you so much for tuning into episode number four, which also happens to be the first episode of 2022. So before I get started, I just want to say Happy New Year to all of you. I hope you had a very happy, very festive, safe celebration with family or friends, whoever it was, wherever it was, whatever you did. I hope you had a great time um, and you got a chance to ring in this new year with all of the best vibes. I'm I'm super excited for this year. Um, I'm excited for what this year will bring. I'm definitely optimistic that this year will be one of the best years of our lives and it sets a precedent going forward that every year after this will be better and better. And that's the type of outlook we should have. And I hope you get all the blessings, all the wishes and dreams that you're you're looking for. I hope all your dreams come true this year and that this year, 2022, will be an amazing year for all of us. And it's crazy to think that we're already in 2022. You know, time is just flying by. And they do say time flies when you're having fun. And that's been the theme in these past few episodes. Ever since I started this, I've had a lot of fun recording and talking about things that matter to me and matter to you. And it's no different going forward. We're going to have a lot of fun with this episode. There's a lot to unpack. Um, we're bringing back the ever-famous segment about the Vancouver Canucks, which has a name. I asked you a few weeks ago for some help to name the segment, and it has a name. I won't tell you right now. You'll have to wait for a few minutes. It won't be too far away. Um, but it's a name that I think you'll really like, really suitable for what I talk about. But I'll also talk about Team Canada the ice hockey team for the Olympics, where they kind of stand because they're kind of in a weird situation where they're not going to be sending NHL players anymore to the Olympics, which are, I don't know, a a month and a so away. Uh, They'll be kind of sending players that play around Europe, play in university and college, play in the junior leagues, and they're going to put their best possible team together. And that's going to be exciting. Obviously, there's a little bit of fear and uncertainty about how Canada will do um, in ice hockey because normally we do good when we send NHL players obviously 2010 we won 2014 we won 2018 we didn't send any players but we still had a successful tournament and this time around I expect it will be no different I think will be really good regardless of who we send so I'll talk about that and what my expectations are for the team and how they'll do of course I'm excited for the Olympics as a whole I'm super patriotic around the time of the Olympics because we always love to see our country do good and Canada always you know finds a way to to bring home the medals in the Winter Olympics so I'm excited for that and then in our middle segment we'll be talking about the television industry because it is an industry that has changed considerably over the years and I know that there are people of all ages who listen to this so all of us have different experiences with TV. Some of us grew up with tiny boxes. Some of us grew up with, you know, different shows and different eras. And of course, it really depends on on when we were born and when we were raised and what we watched growing up because we all have our own preference of shows that we watched. And if you were to ask me what my favorite shows are, I'm sure they would be a lot more different than what you would say. And I'll talk about how the television industry has been impacted by streaming networks such as Netflix, Amazon Prime, Crave, etc. There's a lot of networks out there that 
are putting shows on there because it's a lot more accessible to to viewers. People like to binge watch shows now rather than wait a week or two weeks for a new episode. That's just the way we are. Um, it's not necessarily a, a bad thing. Uh, it really depends on, on what you like to watch in terms of TV. So I'll talk about that and where we're going in the future for television, what shows are at the top right now and what we can expect for this year. And then we'll end off with our bold choice of the week, which I think it's the most challenging one I've had to do thus far because we're going to be talking about the prevalence of social media and how engulfed we are as a society and what it means for our mental health. And I talk about this because around this time, um, especially after the new year, we all come up with our new year's resolutions and a lot of people um, want to put their physical and mental health at the top of their list as a priority. And we definitely should. Those are things that are very important, especially at this time of year uh, when we can't really get that physical exercise. We're kind of cooped up indoors um, and we're, we're kind of going crazy. So I'll talk about how social media kind of impacts our mental health, what we can do to kind of counter that and essentially talk about where social media fits in our world because some people are really you know into social media some people don't even use social media so it really depends on on who you are and how it kind of affects your identity and your mental well-being and before we get started be sure to let me know what you want me to talk about for future episodes we'll be tackling a lot more prevalent social issues in coming weeks and we'll be looking at things that you like um we're talking things like finance, talking about education and housing affordability, a lot of stuff that kind of pertains to us and a certain demographic. And we're going to get into those really adult level stuff. So we'll get into that and let me know what you want to hear, what you want to talk about. I'll bring on a few guests in the near future and have those kind of roundtable discussions and start to evolve this into a a bigger and more influential podcast. And without further ado, let's get started. Welcome back. So this is our Canucks slash hockey segment. And I told you in the intro that I had a name for the segment, one that I've been looking for for a while now, ever since I really started these episodes. And I had to do some digging around to make sure that this name wasn't in use. And it's not easy because you could easily search up a bunch of Canucks related podcasts. That's not the difficult thing. It's Sometimes people have segments or some people have the rights to a name, but you just don't know about it. Uh, and so far, I haven't seen anybody use this name. Of course, if you if you do know someone uh, who uses this name for a particular podcast episode or segment, definitely let me know and I'll be glad to change it. Because the last thing you want as a new podcaster is to be sued for stealing someone's name or idea. But so far, I haven't seen anything. So right now, I'm happy to announce that 
for the remainder of this Canucks season and possibly even going forward, the first segment of each episode will be called Canucks Kingdom. It'll predominantly be about the Canucks, but we'll have a lot of other hockey content, especially with the Olympics coming and NHL playoffs uh, towards the spring. And this comes at a perfect time because for the last little while, we haven't had much hockey or, or Canucks content to talk about. So last week, there was no Canucks-related um, discussion because they were on a bit of a COVID postponement uh, induced by the NHL. And in the last little while, the last week, I guess, we've had three games, all of which I think were positive results. We went 2-0-1, so two wins, no regulation losses, but one shootout loss. And that shootout loss sadly ended an amazing winning streak for our team. Seven games. Um, it was pretty remarkable to see how well the team has done under Bruce Boudreaux. To go seven straight wins and then to obviously improve the the, op- the expectations, the optimism, the morale of the fan base and team. Um, at the time of the changes, everything was going south. It It did not look good. Everybody was just pretty much giving up on the team. Um, season ticket holders were, were threatening to cancel their season tickets and and just abandon the team. And it, it was a really bad place, you know, as a Canucks fan because we had never been at this type of low in a long, long time. Um, but we're doing better, obviously. Uh, we're making up ground in the standings. And... The important thing is that we we go into every game with the feeling that we can win. And that's the mentality that you you should have, to, regardless of who you're playing. And this goes back to what would have been an amazing game here in Vancouver, December 18th. We would have played Toronto. And we were on a 16 winning streak going into that Saturday afternoon matchup against the Leafs. The Leafs are an amazing team that have done really well throughout this season. The Canucks obviously were on a big winning streak and we would have loved to make it seven games. Let me tell you that. Those games, if you don't know, when you get matched up with Toronto, you know, Toronto's considered the center of the hockey universe. I don't know why. They get a lot of attention even in this Vancouver market. All you hear about are the Leafs. I it's very annoying. But, you know, they're the Leafs. You know, they get everybody's attention. Um, and they're playing well. So, it it's it, it kind of makes sense. But, whenever Toronto's in town, most of our games against them get moved up to 4pm. Because it's 7pm in uh, Toronto. And people in the East want to watch that game. And, it's by far the biggest game of the season that fans want to go to when the Canucks are at home because it doesn't matter if you're a Leafs fan you want to see the Leafs and Canucks because there's some kind of rivalry I don't know if it's a real rivalry maybe it's just east coast versus west coast but it's always an intense matchup Um, tickets are always through the roof and if we hadn't had those COVID 
postponements, I'm sure that would have been a great game, win or lose. And I went into that weekend with the expectation the Canucks could have won. We had beat some good teams in that six-game winning streak, and to make it seven games against Toronto would have been great. Um, and turns out that that was the first of a few games that got postponed that will likely get moved to February, I assume. And we had to wait at two weeks for our next game, a next chance to, to add to our winning streak. And that first game came on December 29th against the Anaheim Ducks. A good young team, a team that's definitely showing that they have potential to be a strong team in the future. A lot of good young players like Trevor Zegras. He's really getting people's attention with his skills, with you know the way he plays. And... We go into that game looking to add to our streak, but obviously it had been a two-week gap, you know, so you kind of expect that the team would be a little rusty. And there were a few signs of rust, which is understandable. Um, but the end result was something that we wanted. We got the win in overtime. JT Miller coming up clutch once again with an overtime goal. And the very next day, we're in LA. So we knew it would be tough because... Playing back-to-backs is is difficult. I'm no NHL player. Um, I'm no pro athlete. But I can tell you that the travel and just the fatigue that sets in after a back-to-back is it's, it's intense. And we knew that maybe we'd have a little less jump in our step in the game, in the game against LA. And it went to a shootout. And we lost in the shootout which sadly ended our seven-game winning streak, which I think easily could have extended um, because the very next game on New Year's Day, January 1st, in Seattle, we won a big game. It was a Saturday night game against uh, our Pacific rivals, the Seattle Kraken. And I might have said this before, I think I did, but January is a tough month for the Canucks because they play a lot of good teams teams that are definitely in the playoff hunt teams that you would expect to go far in the playoffs and it's going to be a big test for this Canucks team to to play at a high level and I don't exactly know what's going to happen in terms of COVID postponements I don't think that there will be many unless there's another big wave that comes in the future obviously fingers crossed that this is pretty much the last big wave um, but I'm excited to see what this team can do because everyone's always arguing that the teams that we've played in that seven-game winning streak weren't elite teams. Yeah, we beat Boston, we beat Carolina, we beat Columbus, but let's see how we do against Tampa Bay, against Florida, and it'll be a match of how well we can do. And if we want to be a playoff team, we're going to have to learn to to play like the other teams. And the Canucks have a very distinct style of play, one that's somewhat fitting their style a lot more than maybe Travis Green was doing. Um, Bruce Boudreaux is definitely bringing the best out of a lot of our players. He's definitely bringing a lot of different things to the table. And that's exactly what you need in a coaching change. Because if you put in a coach, after firing a coach that maybe wasn't working well, and it's the exact same style, 
it's not going to get anything done. The players needed some kind of change. They needed some kind of message, and they got it. Clear. Bruce Boudreaux, he's no slouch. He's an experienced coach. He has a big pedigree of success with teams and players that have struggled. And he comes into this team um, ready to to change the team. I don't know if he expected as long of a winning streak as we did. Um, but it was definitely a good sign that, you know, we went seven games in a row with wins, playing much better. The players seem to be enjoying themselves. The fans are definitely enjoying themselves now. Um, it's quite amazing how how things can change in a month because November, everybody was kind of over the Canucks and over the season, you know, ready to give up. And then December... It was really good, and I'm definitely excited to see what this Canucks team can do, not only in January, but throughout the rest of the season. And we'll have more to talk about in terms of how the Canucks do, obviously in the results, but we're getting closer to a lot of other big um, events, and one of those events are the Olympics. And I talked about it, I think, in the second episode. I'm not too sure, but... The NHL is no longer sending um, their players to the Olympics, which is a huge loss because when the NHL sends their players, we see the best players in the world representing their countries. We see Sidney Crosby play for Team Canada. Connor McDavid would have played for Canada. We see Austin Matthews for Team USA, Alex Ovechkin for Russia, so on and so forth. And it, it's always exciting because we want to see those players represent their countries at the highest level and I I have all these fond memories of the Olympics, 2006, 2010, 2014. And 2010, obviously, there were no NHL players. Um, I think the Olympics were in Pyeongchang, I believe. And that team, or I guess the Canadian team and other teams, of course, were comprised of players from different European teams, from college, from... The AHL, which is the minor league affiliate of the NHL. And that is pretty much what it's going to be like for Team Canada in the Olympics this this year. Because as soon as the NHL announced that they weren't going to send players, Team Canada obviously had to do a little um, backpedaling. And they had to maybe not necessarily start from scratch. I'm sure they had a contingency plan ready in case NHL opted out. Um... But there's a whole list of great Canadian players that are playing in Europe, that are playing in college. And as far as what we've heard already, there are a few players that you could expect to be on Team Canada. I hear Owen Power, who is a remarkable young defenseman for University of Michigan and is the Buffalo Sabres draft pick He's likely to make the team. And I'm hearing a bunch of other names that were on the World Junior team. And going to the World Juniors, the World Juniors were cancelled prematurely. Um, It was just a a poorly run tournament to begin with. Um, Last year, because of COVID, they put a bubble in place. And the bubble was super effective because... Each I think each team had its own hotel, um, and they weren't allowed to go anywhere. 
they were pretty much confined to their rooms and the, the rink. And it worked because no people from the outside were allowed to, to go to those hotels. They weren't allowed to go to the games, etc. This time was just a completely dysfunctional setup because the players were put in hotels where the general public were also staying at those hotels. And they were allowed to go in and out. And obviously with this recent wave of COVID, it became a lot more, I guess, easier for players to get to get sick essentially and there was a wedding at one of the hotels I I don't know the the exact facts of the story but the players were all kind of just shocked at the fact that they were pretty much in the same space as other people and some of these people were, were sick they were coughing and the players slowly from the beginning of the tournament were getting sick and it just became apparent that the IIHF did not think this through you know they kind of expected this to to be something where oh nobody was going to get sick everything was going to be okay let's just go on with it and the IA the double IHF I should say actually um was already getting a lot of heat because they canceled the the women's world championship and I think it was the under-18. I may be wrong. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But they got a lot of slack from the hockey world. Not just, you know, women's hockey players. But NHL players were just shocked at the fact that the IIHF wants to grow the game. They want more equality and inclusiveness. And then they're going to go cancel a women's tournament and then go host the men's World Juniors. And when they canceled the World Juniors... It kind of felt like there was karma because the double IHF just, they had chances to, you know, to plan for this. You think that in a pandemic, you would have a backup plan for, for any major tournament. And I don't know what they're going to do with the World Juniors. I, as far as we know right now, they're canceled. They may put it in the summer I, I think that would be the best option because I feel really bad for for those kids and they are kids because they are under the age of 20 you know these are players that want to represent their country and this may be their their only chance at representing their country and for them to be kind of robbed of that opportunity definitely stings um, there was a a few pictures that circulated about uh, a few of the teams that were getting their team pictures on the ice and you could just see how emotional these kids were because this is something that you dream of and maybe if you're from Canada you may get that chance uh, to play it for Team Canada at a, at a later opportunity but for some other countries that don't you know get those opportunities it's it's definitely rough and it hurt it hurts the development of these players because this is an opportunity for NHL scouts to see how well these players do. And yeah, if you're a really good player, you will get that attention. But if you're a player that's kind of on the, the fence and you needed this tournament to kind of prove that you are a good player, you won't get that chance now because the World Juniors are canceled and you have to go back to your junior team and maybe you don't get that same opportunity on that junior team. So... It's definitely a sad time, and I know 
as a fan of the World Juniors, it's it sucks too because the holidays, as great as they are, um, they're just even better with the World Juniors. That's just a a traditional Canadian experience. Boxing Day comes around, you know the the Christmas celebrations are are somewhat over, but you start watching the World Juniors and you just see all these names that you may see in the future and you see them represent their country and it's just a super fun time and I have great experiences with the World Juniors. I've watched the World Juniors uh, for I don't know how long, more than 15 years. I've watched a lot of great NHL players represent their countries, especially Canada. I remember that stretch where they won, I think it was four or five gold medals in a row. That was the like peak of the World Juniors for Team Canada. And then, of course, when the World Juniors were here uh, in Vancouver, I actually worked at uh, the events uh, because I work at the arena. So I got a chance to kind of experience that on, a, on another level. And definitely hope that the World Juniors come back to Vancouver at some point. I don't know if I'll be working at the arena at that time, but I definitely want to see that next generation of international hockey um, at the junior level. And this kind of connects to obviously what I was talking about with the Olympics because everybody's saying if the NHL players aren't going to the Olympics, just send the world junior team. Let them represent the country at the Olympic level. And it's it's a big ask because these are still young kids. And as as talented as they are, it's a lot of pressure because if they don't win, then everybody's going to say, oh, this team wasn't built to win the gold medal. And we can send our junior team, but Russia's going to send players from the Russian league. Sweden's going to send players from Sweden and other European countries. So it won't seem that fair. But I think whoever the 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 officials of Team Canada sends, whether it involves a mix of junior players and experienced players, I'm excited to see what this team does because I always love watching Olympic ice hockey, regardless of who's on the team. I will always support Canada, you know that. And Canada is still a medal hopeful, I, I, I can assure you that. USA is going to be a good team regardless of who they send. Russia is going to be a good team. Sweden's a good team. You can argue that Finland and Czech Republic are also going to be in the mix. So it'll be exciting. I know it's not too far away. It's about a month and a bit away. Um, so it's definitely coming soon. And I'm sure that they will announce the members of the teams in the near future. I assume it would be in the next week or so. And really interesting to see who makes the team. Um, there's been a list that's been kind of leaked, I guess, that has a few names that, that are in consideration. Um, some names are definitely names that you, you want on Team Canada, and some names um, aren't. I won't kind of talk about those names, but we'll see who makes it. Uh, when the team is revealed, I'll obviously give my, my thoughts on it. And... Kind of my last talk about international hockey. Since the NHL isn't sending players to the Olympics, everybody's kind of wondering when's the next chance we'll see NHL players represent their countries. Of course, each season has the World Championships, but it isn't a full competition because these are typically players that 
don't make the playoffs or are eliminated early. So we don't get to see that full combination of Canadian or American or Russian talent. And the next chance we may get at seeing NHL players represent their countries can either be 2026 at the Winter Olympics in Milan, or if they decide to bring back the World Cup of Hockey, that might be our solution. Because one of the many reasons people were upset is the fact that we may not see Sidney Crosby represent Team Canada again. And we've only seen him represent Canada twice at the Olympic level, 2010 and 2014. And he easily would have made 2018 and he would have made this team. And by the time the next Olympic comes around, he will be... I don't know how old he'll be. He'll, he, he may not even be in the league, to be honest, because that would be 21 years after he was drafted. I don't know if he's planning on staying that long. I think if he is in the league that time, I, I'd i give him a spot just because he's Sidney Crosby. Even if it's a fourth-line spot, let the guy play. He's um, one of Canada's iconic players, and I'd love to see him play for Team Canada at least one more time. Um, but that's four years away in the Milan Olympics. If they do bring back a World Cup of Hockey, I'd love to see that because we need to see the NHL's best players play for their countries. It doesn't make any sense how we haven't seen Connor McDavid play for Team Canada in his career, and he's already six years, almost going into his seventh year in the league. And there's so many good players on on the Canucks, at least, that would make their national teams USA has a bunch. There's JT Miller, there's Thatcher Demko, there's Quinn Hughes. Brock Bezzer would be in consideration. And then you got maybe Bo Horvat, who would be considered for Team Canada. Sweden would have Elias Pettersson. There's a bunch of other names like Oliver Larson, who may be in consideration. So on and so forth. So these events have a huge domino effect because... There's a lot that goes into these tournaments. There's a lot of hope that goes into these tournaments. But at the same time, if the NHL players aren't going to the Olympics, then that's a huge loss for the game of hockey because that's one of the ways that we grow the game. People watch the Olympics, and they may not necessarily be hockey fans, but if they are watching the Winter Olympics and they see what's on, they're still going to watch. And... It's going to be really interesting to see what the the officials of Team Canada does for, obviously, the 22 Olympics, but what the NHL does going forward. Do they bring back a World Cup of Hockey in between Olympics, or do they just wait four years for Milan and and send players then? But we'll see what happens. It'll be really interesting, but... I hope you kind of enjoyed me talking a little bit about the Canucks and a little bit more about international hockey. Obviously, the Olympics are coming up. I'll talk a lot more about those when they come around. But I hope you enjoyed the first official Canucks Kingdom discussion. choice podcast this segment right here is going to be a bit of an interesting one because i'll be talking about something that 
doesn't get talked about enough. And I know I say that with every topic I bring up. But when I was planning for this episode, I wrote down a list of things, as I do with every week. And I prioritize things that need to be talked about. And I try to make sure there's a balance between what I talk about. Because I don't want this heavy dose of sports coming at you. Especially if sports isn't your thing. People want to hear things about politics, things about history, things happening in our communities. And I definitely will start putting more of an emphasis on that. But one thing that came up in the feedback from last week was my discussion on TV and movies from the year of 2021. And I didn't talk enough about kind of network TV because I kind of glossed over the fact that a lot of the shows that people watched in 2021 were from streaming networks. You don't see a lot of people watching network TV anymore. And if they are watching TV, it's for a specific show or a specific reason. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk about in this segment right here is because TV is something that's so crucial in our lives. And I know as time continues to pass, we see less of an impact from television and more of an impact from streaming. And television is still widely consumed. It's still something that is important to us. And we we go about our day. You know, we go to work, we go to school, we do whatever we need to do. And a lot of the time when we're looking for something to do, you know, to spend a few hours before we go to bed, we think of something that we need to be doing, which is watching a show, uh, watching a movie, um, Sometimes we play video games, whatever the case may be, depends what we have in our lives. And I asked a few friends, you know, what they did over this winter break uh, before they go back to school. And a lot of them said, just watched a few shows. And I asked what shows. And then a lot of the shows were were things that you could find on Netflix or, or Disney Plus, uh, etc. And it really occurred to me that a lot of the shows people watch aren't on TV anymore. And this is the same case with me because there's only a few shows that I'd watch on TV, which I could also find online. But I normally just watch the news on TV or I watch sports. Um, and that's pretty much it. And I did some research about the television industry and how it's kind of evolving because we know that less people are, are watching TVs at home. Uh, they're even selling their TVs because there's no need for a TV now. People have laptops. They can watch whatever they need to watch on there or they can watch on their phone. And when I did my, my kind of research for the television industry as a whole, I found some interesting facts. I found some things that didn't really surprise me, stuff that I already knew. And one of these was the different television networks. We know about... ABC and NBC and CBC, CTV, etc. Depends on, you know, what, what you watch and where you live. Either if you're in Canada, you're going to have uh, a certain variety of networks. Or if you're American, you're going to have different networks. And I saw that CBS was the most watched network and television because they have a mix of shows and lineups that cater to all audiences. In the morning... 
when you know the kids at school you see a demographic of people that that watch a certain type of show which could be soap operas it could be game shows talk shows whatever it, it is and then in the evening when you know most of the fa- families are at home they have their lineup of primetime shows and sometimes there's even a little infusion of sports and on CBS especially which is the most watched network in television right now um in North America CBS has a heavy emphasis on sports the NFL college football and other various events are all on CBS and it still shows that people do watch TV it's just it just depends on what they need to be watching and when i looked at the most watched shows from 2021 and i kind of talked about a few over in my last episode most of the highly ranked shows from 2021 are predominantly on streaming networks like Netflix Lucifer Money Heist Squid Game Elite You um those are all shows from Netflix even Bridgerton Lock and Key those are huge shows that have gained a huge following and there's still shows on Disney Plus that are getting a lot of attention obviously WandaVision was one of the hit shows um the falcon and the uh, winter soldier was a huge one and even you know shows on other networks apple plus is becoming huge because of the morning show because of ted lasso and people are starting to put money into these streaming networks which at times is confusing because i know people with a whole bunch of of streaming platforms they have netflix disney plus amazon prime uh hulu Apple Plus etc and you add up the amount of money that they spend on all these networks it's almost the same i think as having a cable subscription which you can also watch shows but those shows are only on those networks so i understand why people you know cancel their cable subscription and just focus on streaming networks it it makes sense and there are people who who watch shows only on TV. They don't really like things on Netflix. They want to watch the shows that they've watched for years. And I'm kind of this way because as much as I I enjoy the shows on Netflix that I watch, there are shows that I only watch on TV and one of those shows is Survivor and I talked about it last time. It's a show that's run for now 21 years, 22 years, I guess. And it's still going strong. It still picks up a lot of that core audience on CBS and there are so many other shows out there like Survivor that people tune in for just just to watch that show with their loved ones with friends etc and it reminds me of a time when i was growing up where everybody was watching different shows on TV different channels the disney channel um teletoon etc and it depends on when you grew up because I know in the 80s there were shows that were popular. In the 90s, which is considered kind of the beginning of the golden era of television, everybody was watching TV. Everybody was kind of in the living room or wherever the TV was and watching shows like The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Full House, um Friends, 
those are iconic shows that people wanted to watch and dedicated a time of their day and night to watch. And it's interesting because we live in a time where we want everything to be convenient. You know, we have busy lives and busy schedules and people want things right away at, you know, the the push of a finger, whatever it is. And people want to watch TV while they're in bed and all you have to do, pull up your phone, your iPad, laptop, whatever, and you can watch a show. And for certain shows, they have all the episodes all at once. You could just binge watch that. If you have a day off or a weekend off, a lot of people will spend time watching those shows. And as always, with, with everything in our lives, it shows how things are changing rapidly. And some people have adjusted, you know, they're kind of adjusting to how to watch TV now. And some people, they don't like the change. They they want to watch things on TV and they'll pay that amount for a cable subscription because that's something that is important to them, keeping that sense of normalcy. And with streaming networks, we see how various television networks are kind of buying into that that new realm of streaming nbc has this streaming network i think called peacock cbc has cbc gem tsn ES, espn plus they have you know these per- subscriptions for for people who want to watch those kind of shows and you pay a, a sum of money um, sometimes it's expensive sometimes it's not and if people really want to watch that network only, they'll pay the money and they'll show their loyalty to that network. And it is, you know, a, a reminder that maybe the television industry is no longer what we expect it to be. And it's it's kind of adjusting to what it's going to be like a year from now, five years from now, and ten years from now. And I think watching TV, watching TV shows is always a part of our life no matter how we're watching it or where we're watching it. You know, there's always going to be shows that we we kind of identify with, uh, shows that we've grown up with, shows that we want our, our kids to watch, shows that make us feel good when when times aren't going the way we want it. You know, some shows are our escape from reality, and that kind of goes into what I'm going to talk about next with social media is that TV shows are often, you know, our, our guilty pleasure and, and something that we can just put on when we want to relax. And the television industry, dating back to whenever you want to look at it, it shows that as time progresses, so will the industry, just like every other industry. Same with social media. As time progresses, social media will change. Same with fashion. As time moves on, we're going to see this rapid change in, in how we live our lives and the things that we do in our lives. And it's up to us to adjust or not. And I'll always find it interesting, interesting how, you know, television shows have changed. The shows that I watched when I was a kid are no longer, no longer on air or no longer the same as what today's generation of kids would watch. And they're not even watching TV. They're watching things on YouTube and Netflix. So it's one of those things where I always think that maybe it's a sign that we're just getting older and 
time's just moving fast. You know, time is going at a pace where sometimes it's hard to believe that we're in the year that we're in. And the shows that were popular in 2021 may be the same shows that are popular in 2022. And there may be that surprise show like Squid Game that comes out of nowhere and just skyrockets to the top of the rankings and just wins over a whole new audience. And it'll be interesting to see what shows rank at the end of the year and what shows, you know, come back and get this huge audience and what shows even come off there. I I think Greatest Anatomy is ending soon. There's a whole bunch of shows that we don't really know the future of, especially in this COVID era with, you know, the issues that come with filming. It will be something that we need to keep our eyes on and I will keep track of all of that. And I hope you enjoyed this little mini segment about the television industry. And if you have any TV show recommendations for me, I'm all ears. Let me know what you think I should be watching in 2022. If I like it enough, I'll probably give a good review on it. But on to the next segment. I'll be right back. Welcome back. This is the Bold Choice of the Week segment. For anyone who's new, I dedicate the third and final segment of each episode to topics that are controversial, unpopular, divisive, whatever name you want to give it. And in the next few episodes, I'll be talking about things that are increasingly relevant to our society. I already have the topic for next week's episode, but if you also have things that you want me to discuss, things that are relevant to us and to various demographics, let me know. I'll definitely look into those and make sure that your voice is heard. For this week's topic, this came from a suggestion I got way back when I started the podcast. And I didn't know how to tackle this because the suggestion I got had more of a negative take on what I want to talk about. And I had to kind of look at it from both points of view because I don't want to seem like I'm biased or kind of push a perspective on you that maybe you don't agree with. And this topic is why or why not social media has a negative influence on our mental health and on our lives. And you can look at it from both points of view, good or bad. We all have different experiences with social media. We have different opinions on it and and how much of a impact it has on our lives for some people they're barely on social media so they don't really have that experience but for some of us who have many social media accounts it becomes a huge element of our lives and something that we can't really control at this point because we're so consumed by it now of course there's the pros and cons that i'll obviously cover but i think we need to cover social media as the phenomenon, something that's just grown over time in a meteoric rise. And that kind of starts with how it was, I guess, when it first started with MySpace. That was the first big social media platform that everybody was on. 
Um, I wasn't on it because around the time that MySpace was was active, I was still pretty young. Um, but I definitely know of, you know, how prevalent it was in people's lives. I know of MySpace Tom, I think that's his name. And how it was just this huge thing. And if you watched TV shows in the late 90s and early 2000s, there were a lot of references made to MySpace being that that hit sensation. And of course, over time, MySpace died and Facebook kind of took off and became that next big social media platform. And that was the first social media that I was ever on. I, I made my email in grade seven and I made a Facebook account and I was super excited because that's what everybody else was doing. Now, this comes at a time around 2009, 2010, where there was no Facebook marketplace, there was no Facebook messenger. So the only real things you can do on Facebook at the time were play games with people. You can kind of battle each other to see who comes up uh, with the best position in different games. You can poke people, which I think still exists. And then you can post on people's wall or obviously like and comment people's posts. And when I look back at my early experiences with Facebook, I obviously laugh because it came at a weird time. You know, I I wanted to, to kind of have this strong Facebook presence and I posted pretty often just random thoughts I had in my head. Two of the iconic ones that I, I still have on my account... Um, are well one of them was it was the weekend i just posted it was the weekend i I don't know what i was doing that weekend or why i was excited it's just a strange post and the other one was me stating how much i hated exams which to this day i still agree with that sentiment a hundred percent and it kind of goes with with without saying that when you're young you don't really know what you're posting and that's kind of the danger with social media is that Whatever you post, whether you delete it or not, it's out there. And sometimes it'll come back to haunt you. And they always say, don't post things that you're going to regret. You know, those those things that maybe a, a job interview would bring up. You know, those posts that you thought you deleted, but you didn't. And we often, you know post or or discuss controversial things that are on our minds, things that are really hot in society. And sometimes we we often let our emotions get the better of us and that's just the way it is. Because once you even if you delete something, it's not gone forever. It's gonna be out there and someone will find it and someone can take screenshots. It's that's just kind of the 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 thing with social media is that it's not gone. Now, there's a lot of amazing things with social media. Obviously, the main thing that people use it for is to connect with people, to communicate, to kind of stay in touch. That was one of the reasons why I made Facebook. Not only was it the trend to have a Facebook account to play games, but, you know, I was graduating from elementary school and I... I was sure that there were going to be people that maybe I wasn't I wouldn't talk to again and you know keeping them on Facebook would be a good way of kind of seeing you know how they they do in the future and that's the same case with people I went to high school with and 
people I've worked with. I've had them on Facebook and I kind of see how they're doing and, you know, what major life updates they have. And it's not just me. I'm sure you know people that you only add it on Facebook or other social media because you kind of want to see where they go in life. Um, Social media has a great way of obviously giving people a chance to communicate and you don't even have to be in the same house to talk to people. You know, they can be across the world and you can send them a message or start a group chat or even start a video call and you can talk to them face to face, of course, virtually. Because ages ago, if you wanted to talk to someone around the world, a family member or friend, you would have to call them and it cost money to call them unless you had you know, those, I guess, prepaid phone cards where you use it to to make that call. And you couldn't even talk to them for a long time. And then eventually Skype came around and Yahoo Messenger. And those became the predominant ways of, of talking to family through video chat. And now we have WhatsApp, Viber, FaceTime even. You can use any one of those to talk to people and it's such an amazing way to to keep in touch with family and friends, especially the ones that you don't get to see often. And in this COVID era, it's become increasingly more prevalent to use social media to keep in touch with people. Zoom has become this, this new way of having meetings, of having classes with people, getting to see people uh, without having to meet them in person. And we've kind of seen how important it is to us to be able to have alternate ways of meeting with people. And you can still have that same conversation, that same experience with them, albeit through a screen, which, you know, in this time of of kind of being careful and kind of isolating, you would have to do that. And... The other great thing about social media is that we kind of develop who we are through our social media and people get to see who we are and what our personality is like because for introverts like myself, it's not always easy to kind of show your true colors to people. You know, they kind of get a glimpse of you in the basic form, but they don't know your your interest. They don't know what books you like to read or what your favorite movie is or what your favorite sports teams are, but online you can kind of show that and you can share who you are and what you like typically without judgment of course when people follow you they're not always gonna say anything but there are people who you know who might comment on something and be like oh I didn't know that you like this and it's a great tool for socialization it's a great way to to kind of be who you are and Sometimes, you know, it, it's always the best thing to show how authentic you are, how real and genuine you are, even if it's through posting, you know, through social media. And we live in an age of, I guess, vul- vulnerability where we're hesitant to show who we are, but with social media, it gives us a chance to just do it unapologetic, unapologetically think that's how you pronounce it 
Now, with the negatives of social media and how it affects your mental health, I think there's a lot more things you can add to the list. Obviously, the one thing is digital burnout. We spend a lot of time on social media and on our phones and devices, and sometimes it becomes too much. Sometimes, you know, we're just seeing things that we don't want to be seeing, and people just need to take time away from social media to kind of reset and get back to who they are. And a lot of that comes with the things that you see. You know, we see a lot of negativity out there in the world and it becomes too much for us to handle. And it adds to anxiety. It adds to our already increasing um, fear of, of what's happening in the world. And... We we can obviously take breaks from social media. We can, you know, log out and, and come back after a month and, and see how we're how we're doing and how things are. But that doesn't always change anything. Sometimes we just give in to the way that social media just kind of devours our life. And like I said with the whole misinformation situation it's that we spend a lot of time in our day to go on social media and sometimes it's an escape from reality sometimes that that's definitely true we are going through a rough day and we rely on social media to kind of be that source of enjoyment and entertainment and it's not always going to be that way for us social media always gives us this this glimpse of of life as as we want it you know we follow people that we idolize that we we think are influential and we want to be like and social media is not always going to be that way it's going to show a a picture or video of a lifestyle that may be unattainable for us and that's something that we just need to accept the things we see on our screens don't always reflect what happens behind closed doors. I think that goes without saying because we know celebrities and athletes that go through their struggles. And that kind of connects to what I want to talk about next is the influencer world and how prevalent it is in our society. We don't even know what an influencer is. It's just a term that's been tossed around over the last few years. And it could be for a variety of reasons. It could be because, you know, you're someone that posts frequently and you be, you've kind of gained a big following from it. But is an influencer on the cusp of stardom? Are they kind of a B or C level celebrity? Like, it's hard to kind of differentiate what they are. And we've seen time and time again, and I, I've noticed this while I've I was doing my research is that influencers are kind of realizing that it's a tough world you know they they gain this following they gain this fame and then they're followed by the paparazzi or they post something that's controversial and they get a lot of backlash and then they don't know how to deal with it and that's something that's synonymous with our generation is that we don't know how to handle negativity you know we're kind of spoon-fed everything and we're given everything that we want. And then when things go wrong, 
we instantly kind of curl up in a ball and complain and we wonder why everybody hates us and why you know they don't understand and that's something that we need to understand as a as a generation and as a society is that yeah we're human we're going to make mistakes and learning from those mistakes is what makes us better as individuals we're not always going to be perfect we're not always going to be at the top of our game but it's those learning experiences that make us better and a lot of influencers a lot of celebrities just don't have that ability right now because they've been given everything they want and they think that their life is going to be perfect it's going to be you know parties in vegas all the time it's going to be million dollar all the time but as soon as that first controversy comes out that's when they're going to take you know that that break away from social media because they need to figure out who they are and it's always interesting to see what celebrities do when you know they're caught doing something wrong either they just ignore it completely and expect it to go away and expect people to forget about it or they take they take accountability for their actions and they own up to their mistakes and being, you know, a famous person in social media isn't easy. I I'm not famous. I I know that, but they have all this attention on them. They have the whole spotlight on them. They have millions of people who idolize them and expect them to to be a good influence. And sometimes they're not going to be that influence and people you know, they become upset at that. They they wonder why their idol isn't who they thought they were. And social media always projects this false reality of of the life we want to live and the people we want to be like because that's just what social media does it just paints a picture that we want to see if our instagram feed is all the things that we want in life if if it pertains to a certain aesthetic our life isn't going to be like that and that's something that we need to kind of just figure out on our own and one of the big issues obviously with social media and mental health is that we're so occupied by it and it's so easy to become become consumed by it and one of the i guess sub issues and something that is just disgusting in the social media world is how hate comments work and how it just shatters people's confidence and hate comments is one of the branches of cyberbullying you know you can comment on anybody's post you can comment on a celebrity's post and you can say something like i hate you or you can make you know an anonymous account with any email or or account information and you can do the same thing and for some people they can handle that hate. They know that it comes with who they are and their profession and their status. But for some people like us, the hate comments get really bad. And that's one of the big things with mental health is that social media just adds to all the problems that we have in our lives. And it adds to the anxiety and it worsens their feelings. And of course, anxiety and depression aren't the only mental health problems associated with social media use. You can definitely look at body image. You can look at 
insecurities that kind of stem from social media. And that kind of goes back to what I was saying about that false reality that social media paints. And children are always kind of taught at a young age that social media isn't what it appears to be. You know, there's always going to be the negative aspects and we need to be be careful. And that's something that parents are taught as well. And we're seeing now this generation where people around my age and older are becoming parents and they're more aware of, of what the dangers of social media are. And they can kind of relay that information to their kids and make sure that they're in a place where they know what can happen. Whereas 10, 15 years ago, when this really started, when this meteoric rise of social media started, people didn't really know what to think or what to do. They just kind of dealt with it. And of course, you know, with mental health, we use social media as a way to spread awareness we have a platform i have a platform with this podcast to obviously entertain my audience but also to educate and inform and bring awareness to things that need to be talked about and that's definitely something that i want to do with this is use this as a tool to help you to help one another with whatever things are happening in our lives If, you know, you're kind of dealing with things because of social media, I suggest, and I'm not a expert, I'm not a medical professional or anything, but limit your time on social media. If you're seeing a lot of negativity on there, use it less or just don't use it completely. You can filter things, you know, you can... I think there's ways of censoring different things and topics if, if they really get to you, if they even trigger you. But prioritize your mental health. I know that we use social media as an escape from reality. We use it to boost in our mood and to just make us smile. And that can be the case. We can definitely gain a lot of happiness from social media. But at the same time, prioritize who you are. You know, you know who your true friends are, your true family is, and prioritize your mental health. Make sure that you don't give in to the negativity that social media brings into your world. And that's pretty much what I want to cover about social media and mental health. I didn't go into too much detail because I'm still learning uh, just like you are. And I'll definitely talk about it more and bring more awareness to mental health. But social media as a whole, it's definitely encompassing a huge aspect of our lives and the things that we do and how we live our lives. Of course, some of us want to be like the biggest celebrities in the world and we aspire to be like them. And that's not always the case. And social media can paint a false narrative. But at the same time, social media can be a great source of communicating and building an identity for ourselves and as time passes we will see how social media continues to dominate the world we live in and how it affects the things we do and a lot of other aspects related to that but i hope you enjoyed the segment this week's bold choice of the week i'll be back with the outro as we end off this week's episode, I just want to thank everyone once again for the support. To everyone who's taken time out of their day and week to listen to the episodes. To everyone who's given feedback, suggestions, 
uh, or even just spread the word. Uh, I know I say this a lot. I say this at the end of every episode because I feel it's it's necessary. I, I obviously want to show my, my gratitude and my appreciation to all of you um, because this wouldn't be happening without you, without your love and support. So thank you. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. I hope you've learned something or even just gained a new perspective on whatever I talked about. And I know a lot of the time the topics are scattered all over the place. I talk a lot about sports, but there's a lot of things that I also care about that I feel are necessary for us to talk about. And I've gotten a lot of feedback about the different topics, especially last week with the advice I gave going into the new year, how it's significant and we don't hear that enough in different podcasts. So I definitely want to continue doing that because as much as this is a place to have fun and to enjoy hearing about things that are important, this is also meant to be a safe space. And this kind of connects to what I'm going to talk about next, which is mental health. And I know I talked a lot about it throughout this episode, um, but I just want to say that to anyone who's struggling out there, to anyone who's going through something and doesn't want to share with anyone or is hesitant to reach out, please do. Um, Don't think that you're a burden. Don't think that you're causing more problems because you're not. What causes more problems is you keeping everything to yourself because the issues don't go away. You often need to talk to someone and and reach out and take that next step to, to make, you know, whatever it is go away in a sense. And my DMs are open to anyone who has my number. I'm always available if you want to chat or talk, uh, whatever the case may be. I won't go revealing anything or talking about it in future episodes. That's not, you know, who I am. And I'm, I'm sure you know that. But this is going to be a safe space for everyone. And I'll continue to talk about things that matter to us and bring awareness to topics that should be talked about more, like mental health, because it doesn't get talked about enough in mainstream media because it's too taboo of a topic you know people often get uncomfortable talking about mental health and i think that it is something that needs to be prioritized and i'll do a lot of advocating for it and and making sure that you know everyone's doing okay i'll try to reach out to as, as many people as i can and make sure that they're they're doing well and that 2022 is a year of happiness a year of growth and a year of of happiness so before we wrap up, um, be sure to follow all the official social medias. I've said it before. We got TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. I think by the time you're listening to this, maybe depends if you're listening to it late, uh, I'll try to start a few things on TikTok. I know a lot of people have been asking why nothing's been posted after the first three episodes. I apologize for that. It's It's been a lot to juggle, especially with the holidays, but I'll definitely work on that. And try to grow the social media presence for the podcast a little bit more and get the word out and i've said it before we're ready for this new year i hope you're a part of the ride and this brings us to the end of this week's episode so thank you so much for tuning in as always your love and support means everything i hope that you've enjoyed this show be sure to let me know what you want to talk about in the future give me suggestions give me content give me feedback, whatever it is you have, good or bad. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cry, I promise. Um but until next time, spread love everywhere you go and in everything you do. Until next time, take care everyone.